Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 168 of the Vex on Vex podcast. My name is VexX. Today is Morning Radio 4. I'm loving Morning Radio. Dave, how are you today? Oh, fantastic. Morning Radio is great. For you, you work nights. <laughs> yeah, it's my Friday. I'm living large. Well, it's literally Friday, so yes. Yeah, but like, I don't have to go to work today. <laughs> well, you're, no, you did. You worked today. You're I just, you're just good. There. All right, we tried to be adults, or I tried to be an adult. Stop. I have three hit points for today's program. All First right. and foremost, however, you should inform the people that we do try to do this every show. Hey, it just never works out. And we fail miserably like 94% of the time. The great David Crosby has passed away. I'm, I'm, I'm torn up. Now, I'll be tore up, but we're going to talk about it logistically. But no, go ahead. Cool. What do you got? I, um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash was a huge part of my early musical journey. Okay. Love Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I love their music. Uh, it was, maybe some of it doesn't even stand the test of time musically, but I have like fond memories of, of younger years with that music. And especially my mom. That was one of her favorite bands. And, you know, being a singer, it taught you can learn some harmonies from those dudes. They're for real pretty fucking good. So there's that. What's your knock on the guy? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked. There's so much. Other than the fact that he's a colossal dick. Well, he was. Was he? Now, I heard he was kind of nice, actually. Was he a dick? I heard that he was a dick back in the day and had sort of, you know, realized at some point that he was the asshole. Well, all right. Let's do a, a timeline. I love timelines. They're my favorite. Okay. Early 20s. It's good because you're better at them than me. I forget everything. 1963, 23 years old. The birds are a thing. By 66, they're famous. And by then, the Beatles had come around. And the birds were a little bit ahead of the Beatles technically because they're just a little bit older. Not much, but and like. better. I, I don't give a fuck, frankly. All hippies can straight suck my fucking dick. Like, I fucking, <laughs> fuck a hippie. But we're going to get there. So David Crosby's pretty cool, you know. He looks like a walrus, not a handsome man. No. Banging a lot of girls, which, hey, good for you. Late 20s, as Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you're not going to know this story, but the bass player for the live band of Crosby, Stills, and Nash was Rick James's bass player. Oh, yeah. And Rick James was their drug dealer. Because who was he in a band with when he was a fucking kid? Neil Young. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you know this, but I had said this before on the podcast. So Rick James goes to prison. It's all about Rick James. And uh, he comes out of the brig for being AWOL from the U.S. Navy. Amazing. He was in Canada, eh, Canada. And uh, he goes to L.A. and his friend Neil Young's famous. And Neil Young's like, hey, man, we could use some smoke and some weed. And he's like, or, I'm sorry, and some cocaine. And so he became the guy. Yeah. So he's friends with them. They took his bass player to be in their live band. And back then, he didn't play bass. He was the singer front man who played a little guitar. Yeah. So he was cool that he knew all those guys. According to him, I mean, I don't know how, how real it was, but it seemed pretty accurate. You know what I'm saying? Um... And so that's that's the whole thing. Hey, we are Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I sonically have visceral hatred for how those harmonies sound. Really? And I love harmony because the mamas and the papas, which is exactly the same timeline, I love those harmonies. I would agree with that. So if you're going to give me one or the other, I am definitely a mamas and a papas person, even though he's probably a molester. That's a whole fucking story we'll get to in a second. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, all right. More kitty touches on the Okay. It's it's pretty common fucking theme, actually. Really so, wait. So, David Crosby becomes a fucking full-on drug addict. Yep. All through the 70s, into the fucking 80s. And, and, and a raging alcoholic on top. Then, boom, his body explodes. He's all shocked. Oh, my God. I've been doing drugs for 35 years, and I might die. That's how it fucking works, kids. You fucking die. So, he lives to 81 years old. Nah, nah, nah. And then... When um, I lived like an extra twenty five thanks to a liver transplant. It was thirty actually next to the fucking liver transplant. But that's my point. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I can't cry for this guy. He lived. Yeah. He's got kids everywhere. Yeah, an in vitro kid with Melissa Etheridge. I was gonna bring that yeah. up too. But no, he like not committed suicide. Didn't he? Are you serious? I feel like <gasps> that. I feel like that's a thing. No, you're confusing that. I think um, the the suicidal one is Rosie O'Donnell's kids. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to look it up. I want to fucking I mean, look it up because I'm really curious. I'll keep bitching and moaning while you're cross-checking that information. But, uh, oh, my God, the kid killed himself. It's even better. It's like a better fucking story now. No, it's not worse. He had a really. He made a kid they put up for adoption when he was young. And that kid showed up when he was like 30. And he could do the same harmonies that his dad could, which was pretty interesting. So they had discussed that and they had become friends. And I don't know. 
People like David Crosby. I could do without Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I fucking hate it. I hate it. I hate it. What's the matter? Is the kid alive? No. The, no, he is not. How what, How old was he? I'm looking right now. Because I feel like the whole thing was less than 20 years ago or around 20-some years ago. He couldn't have been that old. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, Breaking succumbing, news. Succumbing to his opioid addiction in 2020 at the age of 21. I never knew that. I never heard yep. that. Beckett Etheridge. Yep. His opiate addiction. Well, that's the thing. Like, you can't get a drug addict to be the dad because he can do good harmonies and be surprised when the kid's a fucking drug addict. Yeah. Like, yeah, look, David Crosby was real good at two things. And I think we know which one Melissa Etheridge was hoping for when she birthed an in vitro child with him. Did she make the baby or did her wife make the baby? I think she did. And then her wife, you know who her fucking wife was? I forget. Holy shit. All right, listen. I got beef with this one. You have a lot of beef. I, I have a lot of beef generally. You are fucking Texas Roadhouse over in this motherfucker today. You got beef everywhere. Melissa Etheridge stole her previous wife from the dude from La Bamba. Richie Valens? Richie. Well, the, the actor who played him. Oh, okay. What's his fucking name? He was in Stand and Deliver. Yeah, Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. Was friends, like friends with Melissa Etheridge and had a beautiful brunette woman. And this is like the late 80s, early 90s. That's his chick. She turned her off. She fucking took the bitch. Took her. Like, that's fucked up. You it's don't even have a dick. Up. It's fucked up. So then she, <laughs> Melissa Etheridge takes his wife. They marry each other. They're together for like 10 fucking years. They break up anyway, by the way. Just saying. It's not fucking. Just saying. So they break up. And, uh, yeah, they're killing it down there. They got me. Oh, all right. I mean, they can kiss it better than I can. Penetration's a thing. Of course they can. And then, of course and, they and can. if you want to discuss logistics, and fuck it, we'll discuss logistics at the morning radio program. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I totally understand the gay thing, dude. I totally get it. It's not for me. That's not how I'm wired. But, dude, I get it. Explain. Think about it this way. In cumulative hours, how much physical contact have you had with vagina in your life? A lot more than most. But toll up the hours. Oh, a couple thousand. Right. But it doesn't compete with 24-7. You know how to use your own equipment better than anybody. You know, I guarantee you a gay dude gives a hand job like a fucking champion. Motherfucker, I got a story. Yes. Motherfucker, I got a story. Yes, here we go. And it was a pretty upsetting story, too. Oh, did you get a hand job? I got a blow job from a post-op. Okay. It had a vagina, a man-made vagina, awful head. Awful. Oh, and I was like, isn't this your thing? Like, aren't you good at this? Very upsetting. Asian. See, oh my. She yeah. was a stripper, was she? No, no, not at all. Sure? Yeah, it was an advertising. Because I have a story about an Asian post-op that was a stripper. All right. I have a great story. I'm going to go back to your story for a second. Then we'll go back to Melissa Etheridge. And that's just a hua. Speaking of Melissa's, this story involves a Melissa that I know very well. She may be watching or will watch at some point. <laughs> <clears throat> She's been a big fan of both our bands for some time. Okay. More mine than yours. Obviously. Uh, for a while, she worked at Show and Tell. Not as a dancer, as one of the girls that worked behind the bar, because it was a BYOB place, and she would just keep your beers cold and hand you one. When Can you I ask it. a dumb question? Sure. Do you have to be scantily clad to be the bar person? Somewhat. Okay. Yes. I'm just asking. Not, not. Like what's going on on stage, but certainly. still not dressed like me. And, and she's attractive. She's okay, a lovely girl. I've known her for a very long time. So I found myself frequenting the establishment because I had a friend that worked there. Dun 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 dun. So I went in there one night, and there's a couple stages. And so on the further away from me stage, uh, there was a girl up there, and I hadn't remembered seeing her in there before. And a cute little Asian girl. Cute. Right. I'm like, wow, she's attractive. Interesting. So I'm looking at her, I'm like, she's okay. And so I said to my friend, who is a bartender, I said, she's okay. And she said, no. No, no, no. I said, well, why? She's like, wait, wait till she gets closer and, and look real close as if things aren't, you know, maybe quite what, what like, like maybe something used to be there that isn't there anymore. Like, Maybe something was, was changed down there. And sure enough, as she got closer, good from far, far from good, my friend. Dun, dun, dun. Far from good. 
It, yeah, it looked like it got run over by a lawnmower or something. Although it was not the best work. Oh, so you saw the vagina? Show and tell, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know much about strip clubs. I don't know the rules. I don't know what, like, you're, what you're allowed to show and what you're not. Okay. Uh, it depends on the age that you have the door, how your alcohol is served, and things like that. But show and tell is, is full nudity. So anyway, back to your point. Well, well, I'm not well, done. Then you got to get to I it. I am not done this story. Have you ever been to a bachelor party at a strip club? I mean, I've seen, I haven't attended one person, but you know, remember the band um, Seven Dust? Yes. I was at the Singers Bachelor Party in Atlanta, Georgia. At a oh, okay. And I didn't know them, but I happened to be there. Their manager is JJ French from Twisted Sister. No, and not anymore. Not for no. a very long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Not then either, actually. Oh, well, anyway, so when you have a bachelor party attend a strip club, what they usually do is they take the groom to be. And they will bring him up on stage and either tie or handcuff him to a And rip his pants up and all that. And either pull his pants down. And a lot of times, they take your own belt off and smack you in the ass with your own belt. Oh, classy. Cool. Whatever. If that's your thing, great. Have at it. It's a good time. Well, about 10 minutes after I stumble upon my realization with this girl, a bachelor party comes in. And he's going to go up there and guess who he chooses. The Asian one. Correct. Okay. So she gets up there and she's doing her thing and I see a giant opportunity. I walk over to the remainder of his bachelor party, <laughs> his friends, his groomsmen, his best man, his best friends in the whole world. And I tell them what I know. But I don't even know. Does it count as a guy anymore? Oh, they chop it off. I don't know. They found it amusing and I was immediately their best friend. I hung out all night with a bachelor party I didn't know and they paid for my drinks. I feel like you're casting shade, though. A little no, bit. I cast in shade. Like, if you go through the work of getting it surgically removed, and that's the whole thing, to the point where you can actually be a professional stripper, good for you. Good for you and your fake little vagina there, you know? I'm fine with it. You go do your thing. I didn't care. No, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, I felt bad. Like, now they're making fun of that guy that, like, a guy danced for him, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I would want someone to do it. You want you and my friends. <laughs> I would like to be privy to this information when they were not. That's hysterical. Now I'm gonna. I'm telling you, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. All right, bring it all the way back. Now that I've told my little anecdote, which was a great anecdote. You're telling me that because someone lives with a vagina 24 hours a day and seven days a week, that they are just better at the sex, right? That's your whole thing, right? Yes. Okay. At, at least the part that involves hands. Women, women are not as sexual. At the ages of 17, 18, 19, 20, as men are. This is a fact. Okay? A woman can get herself off better than a man. I didn't, uh, th that's not what I said. That's that not what I said. No, no, no. But, I said. No, but you're, all right, we're going to go back. I'm going to ask you again the question again. Who's at their sexual peak at 18? Who's hornier? Men. Oh, 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 so we agree. Yeah. Women aren't fondling 24 7. They're less sexual creatures than d fucking disgusting men. Now, they can get themselves all quick. I'm not saying that, but that's the whole point. They're quick. They're not hammering 24-7 on that material. So they're not exposed to it in a sexual fucking fashion for 24-7. And let's be realistic. I've slept with a lot of chicks. You've slept with women. You're a musician. I know. It's a thing. They're not all the same. There's like three or four fucking designs. For I, real. I would say there's more than that. But, but I mean, basically, and all right, you would say more. I would say three or four basic designs. Okay. okay? I mean, if you want to paint with a broad brush, you have to. Because we're painting broads. Cool. But I'm bummed. I see what you so, but it's so, they're not, like, that's the whole Seinfeld thing. When gay men do a bunch of meth and have sex for 16 hours, that is real. Right, but. Lesbians aren't those people. You don't know, man. Meth makes you do strange shit, dude. I was watching YouTube videos of tweakers the other day. Wow, well, they're out of hand. Well, no, no, go ahead. Embellish further. Oh, dude. I, I saw one. Uh, a woman has, like, She's walking down the street and she finds this other woman like shoulders deep in a hole that she has dug underneath a bush. And the woman claims that she's looking for her drive shaft of her truck. Shoulders deep. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm talking this hole is four and a half feet. But that's deep. what I'm saying. So the gay guys who do meth in the clubs, like the monkeypox outbreak, gay men were making videos about their experiences. I've seen these videos, right? Why were you watching these videos? I watch a lot of weird podcasts. No, I really do. I really do. You make one too. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I guess it's it's well versed. But like, so 
you're watching these men are just professing this is what happened and this is our situation at hand and he's like and so the weekend came and then i did a bunch of like methamphetamines with my friends and i had seven or eight partners friday six partners saturday and then i went in sunday and had 10 partners and i'm like wow like like I'm amazed at the numbers, but this is why you have monkeypox on your dick, which is now called mpox, by the way. They've changed it. It's no longer monkeypox. You've offended the monkeys. It's mpox. Which I don't understand. Like, like, who was that offended that can complain about it? <laughs> Obviously not the monkeys. Some monkeys speak sign language. It's a thing. Do they? <laughs> yes. Like, Coco the monkey. Like, that's a one monkey. and It's not even alive anymore. <laughs> You don't think he taught his friends? I don't know if he even had friends. Do monkeys have friends? Well, they have a social organization. That's what the whole grooming thing is about. Yeah, I don't know. I hate people. So You hate people? Where'd that come from? I just dislike a lot of people. They make me uncomfortable. All right, George Carlin had this great thing he said that I appreciate it. That I'm not, I guess I'm pilfering. He said, individual human beings are the greatest thing he's ever experienced his entire life. Yeah. But as soon as they get to a group of as small as two, something changes. It's true. Now we're a team. Now we're an organization. Now we're a football team. Now we can play basketball. Now we're a fucking government. Like that's his beef. He says, you can see in it. Like I adore morning radio. Uh, correct. I look into your eyes, which is a little weird, but I'm going to say it. And that's we right. have this deep, awesome conversation together that spins <laughs> I off. I don't know how deep it always is. <laughs> it's pretty deep. And so he, he said that was what he loved about people. And then as yeah. soon as you get two or three or four or six or ten, at the magic's gone. I, I agree with that statement. But at the same time, what would this podcast sound like if it was just you rambling for hours? I've done them and it's pretty funny. I'm sure it is. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's better, but I can do it. Like, I, dude, come on. We both could do it. I, you just set up a microphone and go, blah, 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 blah. I can do this shit all day. All day. I guess technically if we did two hours of a podcast, it would be like each one of us talking for an hour. No, oh, I don't know. I overtalk a lot. You do. I do. I let you have your space. I know. I've noticed. <laughs> it works out better that way. So <laughs> back to Melissa Etheridge stealing chicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Etheridge stole some chicks so, from Lou Diamond Phillips. And I'm still mad about it. No, and then here's the thing. So Lou loses his career and his bitch because the next movie he's in. Do you remember when Marky Mark became an actor? I do. And they made a movie called The Big Hit. I vaguely remember this. It's one. supposed to be a fun movie about fucking um, uh, paid killers, like murderers, like assassins. Okay. Hitmen. Hitmen is a good way to put it. The Big Hit. And then they, they, they Marky Mark and the team... Hold on, hold on. They kidnap the daughter of like a huge mob guy, and they're Asian, and she's really hot. Okay. And so now Marky this Mark. This is what you've taken from this film. No, but Marky Mark falls in love with the Asian chick, of course, and then tries to break her free. And Lou Diamond Phillips is like, "No, we got to kill her." Rah, rah, rah. And that's his career, and that's it. Can you think of anything he's been in since 1995? Like anything, like anything. He was Chavez, Chavez, and Young Guns, and Young Guns too. None the way before '95. <laughs> I don't care. Young Guns is an awesome movie. He got his um, he got his bitch stolen. And then he became fucking, his career was over. And also, unpopular opinion, soundtrack to Young Guns, eh, some of Bon Jovi's finest work. That's Young Guns 2, just so we're crystal yeah, there's, clear. Yeah, there's some really good music on that album. That soundtrack has some good tunes. The one that was the single was pretty good. Shot down yeah, in a blaze of glory. glory. But I hate John Bon Jovi. Like, I despise him. Let's talk about that for a second. Why do you hate You John really don't know this? No. Are you being sarcastic? I'm not at all. I want to know why you hate We're John We're going to lose Jovi. 10 minutes of the podcast for a story I've told 50 times. Uh, I don't know it. I'm sad that you don't know it. All right. Well, fill me in. Give me the, the brief. Do you remember version. being 16 years old, roughly? Yes. Did you have any dear friends when you were 16 years old, like people you loved, mm -hmm. like ride or dies? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, John Bon Jovi had one, and his friend's name was Snake. Okay. And they were in Jersey together and they were broke. And they were like smoking weed in Snake's basement with the black light on, looking at the black sap. And he was like, dude, if I ever get a record deal, I'm going to hook you up. And if you get a record deal, you hook me up. And Snake's like, yeah, good deal, motherfucker. Yeah. Cool. Unbeknownst to Snake, uh, John Bon Jovi's uncle owned a multi million dollar recording facility in New York City, in New York City, in Manhattan, that Ozzy Osbourne recorded at, the Rolling Stones recorded at. It was a beautiful establishment. He's 18 years old. He gets out of high school. He becomes the guy mopping the floor. Now, you know why this is amazing for John Bon Jovi at 18 years old? In, a, in 1981 or 82, I think it was 81, you did not have access to home recording equipment. 
No yeah. one did. It didn't yeah. exist. Pro Tools wasn't a thing. He had a multi-million dollar studio that if he went in at one o'clock in the morning because he had the keys, he could cut his own demos. So think about that for a second. Fair. So this kid's demos sounded like albums. Then if somebody's up the hallway cutting a drum part, he'd throw you a bag of weed when you were done and you'd come in and play his song for three minutes and they got a perfect drum take. You understand? By a pro. Yeah. And a bass player and a keyboard player and he's playing guitar. And so he makes these fucking demos that sound like records. Remember K-Rock? So, yeah. So far, this sounds like dude's hustling to me. Oh, yeah. He's hustling. Wait till I fucking tell you what he did with his hustling. Because this is, I hate him. I fucking hate Visceral. So, yes. I'm trying, talking about a lot of people you hate. I'm trying to make it go fast because they know this. They've seen this before. You have not. You don't watch the back shows, obviously. That's fine. So, and we're already halfway with the goddamn show that fast. Okay. <laughs> so K-Rock has a Christmas thing and we're going to say 82 or 81 or something like that where they're going to put out all the local bands on a K-Rock fucking 7 inch or maybe even a full album they're going to release it right the Christmas from K-Rock all the local bands but you got to play one on the radio as the single the only one that sounded good was John Bon Jovi's single because it's perfect. Yeah. It's in a recording studio. I made it in a four track in my basement and K-Rock puts it out because we're a cool band. Yeah. But the one that you could put on the radio yeah. is Runaway by the unknown Bon Jovi. So they start playing it. It becomes a hit by mistake because it's the only thing that sounds good and people dig it. So every record company in the world goes to New York looking for John Bon Jovi. He's not there. He's in fucking Jersey. The one who finds him is the manager for the almost famous Motley Crue. They're like a cunt hair away from being, ah, right? You hate Motley Crue, but they were famous. I do. So the guy who now manages Kiss, Doc, Doc McGee, goes and finds young Bon Jovi. And he grips him up. He's like, I'm going to be your manager, kid. We're going to do this. So then they go and they put out the first Bon Jovi record, which sank like a fucking stone, I might add. For the second record, because Bon Jovi on their first tour opened up for Kiss, uh, Paul Stanley had written a song. Who I uh, also hate. His birthday's today. Yeah, he sucks. Happy <laughs> birthday, you suck. Wow. I Was Made for Loving You was a huge Kiss hit. Oh but it was co-written co by Desmond Child, a, a gay guy in the New York fucking club scene playing with his band, right? But a great songwriter. So Paul Stanley introduces Bon Jovi to Desmond Child, who proceeds to write Living on a Prayer and all these huge monster hits that will be hits, right? They're not Bon Jovi songs. They're Bon Jovi and somebody songs. People don't notice shit. This is important. Like the record you wrote, you wrote. I wrote my record. He didn't write his fucking huge record. He co-wrote it. All right. All right. Now he's famous. Ah, bon Jovi's famous yeah. because of the songs from Desmond Child. And he goes and he calls up Snake. Snake, it's time, baby. It's time. I'm going to get you a record deal. What's the name of your band? Oh, we're calling it Scoot Row. Perfect. They don't have a singer. Doc McGee flies in Sebastian Bach from Canada, eh? And he's like, I got you a front man. So they bring him in, and he has a good front man. He's tall. He's really good looking. I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. Can sing like an angel. Yeah, he's really good. Thank you. So they bring him into Skid Row, and they're like, and, and Skid Row's pretty excited. They're like, oh my God, it's going to happen. We're going to tour with Bon Jovi. We're going to tour with Cinderella. We're going to be a thing, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to take 60% of everything forever. And they were like, what? And he's like, yeah, 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 listen, you don't have any fucking money. So when you make money, if a dollar comes in, I get 60 cents and you guys split up 40. And they were like, I don't know. But they do it. They sign the deal. So then... Songs become huge. I remember you, Youth Gone Wild, the whole fucking thing. Oh, and it's goodness. the first three albums, which are the huge records for fucking life. Right? Bon Jovi owns 60%. He gives 20% as a gift to Richie Sambora, who's his friend. So bon, John Bon Jovi has 40 cents, Sambora has 20 cents, and five guys got to split 40 cents on the band. In perpetuity. Now! Years go by, millions of dollars come in and out, the whole fucking thing. Richie Sambora is like, hey, man, I feel bad. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm a gazillionaire. Here's your publishing back, bro. I don't need it. Thank you, but I don't need it. So now the band is up. Good to, on you, Richie Sambora. The band is up to 60%. So Snake, who's known Bon Jovi 30 years at this point, calls him on the phone. He's like, hey, bud, they don't play I Remember You on the radio anymore. Monkey business, all that shit, it's over. We're old men. Could we please have our publishing back? No, it's business. Click. Now, no, no, but I want you to respond to that. Think about your life. Think about your friends when you were 16. John Bon Jovi's worth $300 million. Snake Sabo's worth about $9 million, okay? Yeah. 
Give him back the fucking publishing. Fair. And again, I didn't know this story. Mm -hmm. And after hearing it, I believe you have every right to hate John Bon Jovi. And it's, I'm going to tell you the truth of it, Dave. Not that I was ever a huge Bon Jovi fan to begin with. I really was never. I thought it was, you know, it's, it's kind of bubblegummy for me. Doesn't really do it. Desmond Child half wrote the shit. That would explain a lot, wouldn't Super it? Super gay! Which is fine. And good for you. I bet he gives awesome hand jobs. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my point. So Bon Jovi's the devil, bro. And then it gets worse. Like, so then Didn't I start... Didn't from Live do that, too? Did no. screw them out a bunch of money? All right. And the... they were friends at the time. No, kids. the Live one's tricky because he left the band because it, it wasn't doing the right thing. I'm going to finish the Bon Jovi thread. I'm coming back okay. to Live. Live, I need your opinion because that's a trickier thing. It's okay. a trickier thing. Although he joined a cult and he got fucking weird, too. Sweet. Colts, so, are, awesome. Colts are awesome. Not not so much. Unless unless it's a cult that I start, that's fine. You can support my cult. The Vex and Vex podcast. <laughs> Episode 168. Um... Bon Jovi, piece of shit pricing.net. I used to have IHateVex.com. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? I figured I should buy it before somebody else yeah. does. So, this fucking situation. So, John Bon Jovi opens up a restaurant and he feeds one homeless person a day. Yeah. And I had to explain to someone who's not smart that you, the more you give away when you're a billionaire, the less taxes you have to pay. Correct. He pays no property taxes in Jersey because he finagled a whole fucking thing. All that shit that he owns, he has to pay property tax for. And there's yeah. acres and acres and acres of property. Oh, yeah. Um, a friend of mine, I slept with her. She was a nice girl, was a huge Bon Jovi fan, wound up working for the soul for Bon Jovi's company. Yes. And they underpaid everybody. He's about the worst thing imaginable. And then here's the, the, the coup de grace, my friend. Okay. His daughter had a heroin overdose and almost died on her. I feel like you neglected your fucking kids. Like, wow. you're around the world making jillions of dollars. Maybe be a dad. Like, people hate Donald Trump, for instance, right? And when they had that fucking discussion between him and Hillary Clinton, they said, can you say one nice thing about the other person? And Hillary was like, you know what? I gotta admit, Donald Trump's kids are not pieces of shit. Like, I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like his policies. He did good with his children. He raised them. No one's a drug addict. No one's a fucking mess. And that shit matters because Hillary Clinton's kid, who I don't like, also not a piece of shit. Like, all right, maybe a little. I don't know. If you're political, I'm not political. But my point is, your children reflect who you are as a human being to your core. And John Bon Jovi is like, I'm John Bon Jovi and I'm great. You're not great. You're about a piece of shit. You couldn't give the fucking publishing back to your childhood friend. Fuck you. Now for the live situation. And I'm going off again, and I do apologize. This is what we do, man. Just, I told you we were getting all of it. Kowalczyk was always really weird once they got famous. He couldn't handle it. It was like a thing for him. I heard a story way back in like 96, 95 when they were hugely famous yeah. with lightning crashes and all that shit. Yeah. We're from Pennsylvania, so we knew kind of people who knew them. They came to a party, and if you brought up live, and they were like the biggest band in the world at the time, yeah. right? For this they, area. They were huge. If you brought the band what up. Year was this? 96. 95, 96. Yeah. yeah. They went to a party because they were kids, 23 years old, yeah. whatever. They go to this party, and if you brought the band up, they would leave. And I was like, all right, because they don't want their asses kissed. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to be normal guys right. for one night. So this is Kowalczyk. This is not the band. This is the singer. He's getting anxiety. And he starts popping pills and the whole thing, and he finds a cult. Now, remember, you're not going to know this. Do you know why Eddie Vedder is in Pearl Jam? Sort of. Jack Irons was the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. When the Red Hot Chili Peppers would tour up and down the coast from Seattle to San Francisco and all that shit and back and forth and all of California and into Washington State, they met this guy named Eddie Vedder who was living on a beach and they had his demo tape. And Jack Irons and him make friends, like they're friends now. When he goes back to Seattle on tour, he gives the tape to the Pearl Jam guys and vice versa. They swap. And he got them together inadvertently. So when Pearl Jam got hugely famous and Jack Irons was no longer in the Peppers because he had joined a fucking cult, Eddie Vedder put him in Pearl Jam. I don't know if you remember that or not. No. There was like one record. I think it's like No Code or something like that. That's okay. the drummer. And he's, he's not a good drummer. He's okay, but he's not a good drummer. Anyway, he's in a cult. Well, Ed Kowalczyk joins the same fucking cult that Jack Irons joins. And now it's like this rock and roll cult. It's somewhere in California. Yama, 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 and all that shit. Did you see Fight Club? Yeah. Kowalczyk's in Fight Club. Is he really? While he's in the cult. That's when he started shaving his head, by the way, because that's what the cult did. Okay. And he, uh, Tyler Durden, or actually, I'm sorry, Eddie, Ed, Ed Norton's in a restaurant. Yeah. And he's like, um, you know, would you like some food? He's the waiter. And he says to oh, him, clean food, preferably. He, thank you. Yeah. And that's Ed Kowalczyk. No, yeah. That's the waiter. So he's in a cult. 
So now it's getting weird. You just live in PA. No, he's in a cult making a movie about essentially a cult. Which was ironic to me. Right. And that's around. Remember, when he started shaving his head is when he got in the cult. Okay. Then they had that huge 1999 hit with the Dolphins. They were back for a minute. Yeah. And then it just kind of fizzled because he just went off into cold land. But he had anxiety issues and he had stuff. And I get it. I don't have it myself, but I get it, right? It's a thing. It's a thing. Believe me, it's a thing. Exactly. Holy shit. So the band is like, we don't have anxiety. We're not in a cult. Ed, can we do this thing? And he's like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not in that place. I'm not doing it. They're like, we're going to move on, bro. We're going to get a different singer. Yeah. And they picked up, and, and actually, that's a whole story you should look on YouTube. The singer who replaced him had his own story. He was a pretty cool guy. And he got kind of fucked over by them. So he joins the live. They make a record. I moved into this house in the summer of 13. It was 13 or 14. I was in the garage out back over your right shoulder. And they were, I was on MMR. They were on the radio. I was working on shit, my cars and shit or lawnmowers and so they're interviewing the new singer of live at the time and they're pushing live and lives back and they were on tour with everclear that year a retread of that band and the whole fucking 90s nostalgia thing they made some money they made an album everclear's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me I, not a guilty pleasure i fucking love everything they got some good tunes. there's no guilt about it. they're fucking great he's great solid band they really are Art Alexakis is no joke dude yeah he's got multiple sclerosis now that's really yeah so oh, live are not so good anymore which is kind of shitty so Long-winded fucking story, my friend. They all are. They all are. Ed wants back in the band. And they're like, well, we got this other singer. We made a record. It's a thing. Fine. So Ed's back. They kick the singer out. The singer's a little annoyed, but he deals with it. And systematically, Ed fired everybody in the band and kept it. And now Live's on tour right now with a bunch of dudes and Ed Kowalczyk. Is he still in the cult? Uh, probably. I, I really don't know the answer. Colts don't last that long. You're not getting a 25-year run. You uh, know what I mean? So I don't know. Are you sure? I don't know. I don't know. So what are your thoughts on that story I just told you? So that is not the way I understood it to be, but that's pretty messed up. And I'm sorry for the dude who, you know, if he has mental health issues, that's you know not something I, I care to joke about you know, to a huge extent. It is kind of funny. <laughs> Look, man, I can make jokes. All right? I got my own problems. Okay? I know it's asking. We're good. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would ever be, like, hive minded enough to join a cult. I'd be like, who the fuck are these assholes? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not involved in anything you're being a part of. You know? Like, Groucho Marx said it years and years ago. I'll never be part of a club that would have me as a member. Yeah. Like, and that's like one of my favorite quotes ever because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, no, you guys suck. I'm going to go do my own thing over here. I couldn't even work for a corporation in corporate America. I was yeah. like, I'll just do this myself. You're crazy. And so I did. So and, I, and, and here you are. No, but that's the thing. You and I are not the same personalities at Kowalczyk. No, probably not. Um, the reason this show is so fun is these are two giant fucking like personas Correct. hanging yeah. out. We are, we are pretty over the top. When you now. walk into a club, it is obvious that you have walked into that club. Yeah, when I walk yeah. into the club, it's obvious I've walked yeah. into the club. We should not like each other. Probably not, but <laughs> yeah, somehow it works out. It really does. So, cool with it. so Ed has his issues. He took his band back. I don't know if I'm mad at him. I don't know if I'm mad at him, and we don't we don't know what they did to him when he. But he also neglected the fucking band. He left for a long time, right? And I mean, if you don't, there there was probably things that went on behind closed doors that we'll never know. We'll never know, and you, you don't know how that turned out. You know, they could have been real dicks about it. Who knows? Besides, they're from York, Pennsylvania. Who's from York? I had a girlfriend who relocated to York for a while, and went to college there. So I spent time there because I would visit her and pick her up and stuff. What town is it? Podunk. Yeah, yeah. A little backwoods. Yeah, but not bad. The people are pretty nice. Backwoods people tend to be. Pretty they nice. do. They're like nice people. Yeah. It's just it's slow. I couldn't. I don't know. It's it's podunk. It's not. It's not yeah. use. Like it's not it's nothing. A, it's a place you'd retire to. Definitely. And actually, I'm not even that old. And I'd, I'd live there now. It'd be kind of nice. But when you're 20 and you're like young and you're in a band and stuff, it's not a place. Not for you. No, you want to get the fuck out of there. Like I liked being in Philadelphia because it was a major city. There was always a club to play. Yeah. It was fun. Thanks, David Crosby. Look what you made us do. All right, now we're going to discuss the Forrest Gump situation. All right, now we have to talk about Forrest Gump. I tried to send. List. I tried to send you a video. Did you see the video? Uh, I didn't watch it when you sent it because I had seen it just hours before. So you saw own. it. I did. All right, 
They were going to make a Forrest Gump 2. Yeah. There is a script. There is a script. Had 9-11 not happened. It would have been made. It would have actually come out. And they said the script was dropped off September 10th. Like the day before. So, in the script, they affirm that the kid would have AIDS just like the mother had AIDS. I knew it all along. I knew that dirty bitch had AIDS. And I fuck you, Jenny. Fuck you, Jenny. Fuck you a thousand times. You are one of the worst characters in movie history. I fucking hate you. And the kid dies from AIDS in the script. Good. And then Forrest <laughs> is all fucked up. Then he's in the Bronco with OJ. That was <laughs> that amazing. was in there. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you realize that 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 the 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 allure and the just the 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 level of reverence we look at Forrest Gump with, like it was such a it was such a great film. It was done so well, and it was written well, and it was a a nice, beautiful reminder of of the way you know history went in a weird sort of way, but you know little microcosms of things that were were parts of people's lives. And I think that second one would have destroyed it. I agree. I think it would have torn apart everything that we knew. Forrest Gump in the back of the fucking Bronco with OJ just doesn't work for me. And then, <laughs> that's, and so then you, that's so awful. Do you remember how the movie ends? No. You, I, I thought you watched the video. I did, but I don't remember what they said. Remember the Oklahoma bombing? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so here it is at the end, right? Forrest is telling the whole story from a bench. The whole story again. That's what he does. That's his life. Waiting for a bus, right? Yeah. And then the Oklahoma bomb goes off and Forrest dies. <laughs> and they were like, once 9-11 happened, they're like, oh no. <laughs> we, we can't make a movie about this. <laughs> maybe, maybe now. Maybe, maybe it's, it's unfortunate timing on our part. There. Probably not a good thing. And then, alright, did you ever see the movie This is the End? Yes. All right. Remember in This is the End where the guy from Canada, A, he's from, um, I don't know what fucking TV show they were on. They were teenagers. What was that called? Hold on. There's a, they're all from the same show. It was me. I, I have nobody's name. Franco's in it. Okay. I don't know what show. It was a, there was a show they were all in the 90s and they were kids. Okay. I don't remember that show either. Uh, Freaks and Geeks. That's what it was called. Okay. I do remember that. So show. this kid was on Freaks and Geeks too. And then he, the first time I ever saw the kid myself was in a movie called Almost Famous. He was the guy who was obsessed with uh, Led Zeppelin, following him around with the fucking marker. That's sad. And he was like, Jimmy Page wrote on this shirt. Rubber plant, sign this shirt. Uh, she so, throw the fucking garbage and burn it because that's what fucking sucks. They do. The dialogue in that film, This is the End, is how much of a piece of shit he thinks Forrest Gump is as a movie. And and then the other guy was like, so you just take movies that are beloved by all and you just fucking shit all over? And he's like, that's just a bad piece of shit. Now, I'm not a movie maker in any capacity. I just enjoy watching films. Yes. So is it understood to be a piece of shit and I'm missing it? Like, is there something I don't know? Like, I thought people love that fucking movie. No. You want to know who hates Forrest Gump? I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly who hates Forrest Gump. The people that hate Forrest Gump are the same people that stop liking bands because the band got too famous. I've, I've done that. They're those fucking people. I've done that. Then maybe you hate Forrest Gump. I somewhere, love Forrest Gump. Somewhere deep down, you have unreconciled issues with Forrest Gump that you need to address and look at. You don't think bands change sometimes when they're over commercialized? I do. But do you hate them because they changed, or do you hate them just for the fact that they got popular and other people like them? No, if I'm honest, it's because they're different. So, like when you, okay, cool. When That's I like, fine. when I like, like I like STP on the first album. I love it. Right? Yeah. Purple's really good. Now, the reason STP changed wasn't because they got popular. He became a drug addict. Right. So, Tiny Music just isn't as good as the first two records. Or is hot garbage, and <clears throat> I will die on that hill. But I love, I love it still because I'm just a fan, <laughs> I right? Hate, I hate it. So and I, and I can't I even say I can't even say you're wrong, which makes me sad. It's a bad album. Those laid back fucking jams that which work. I usually like, which is weird. Like that usually appeals to me. But I know what happened is they probably went in the studio and the guy's on junk, and he's like, "I like this one. You should work on that one." And so it's a whole record of just slow fucking tunes, yeah. which are good. But I wanted my fucking like Cracker Man. You right. know what I mean? I wanted fucking Purple. Cellar Door used to cover Cracker Man. It's a hard. So it's a hard one. It's not. Well, for you. But vocally, that, it does I'm, some shit. I don't think it's that hard. I'm just, I know, because you're a good singer. We don't to say. <laughs> but I've tried it, and it's fucking hard. It's a cool tune, though. It's a jam tune. It is. And it's on the first record. Yeah. And that's when they're shit. young and hungry. And it, do you, <laughs> this is fucked up. This is so fucked up. You know, Gibby Hayes is? No. Butthole Surfer singer? Okay, yes. So 
what happens is Plush became a hit by mistake. You, I don't know if you know this. SAP was on tour in Europe, and they didn't know Plush was a hit because there wasn't internet. Yeah. And cable didn't transition that way, I guess. And right. I've been to Europe. It's a weird fucking place to watch TV. So really, you're just it's like... It's a weird place to watch TV. You know, it is. There's like... It goes off at like 9 o'clock at night or something. Oh, here's what's fucked up about England. The bars close at like 8 or 9 at night. Close. Then you go home and TV's over at 11. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, I couldn't even stay out and party? And there's no television? Like, what the fuck, man? What do you do? It turns out that hash is everywhere there. <laughs> okay. And members of the band of Starscream may or may not have been really fucked up for fucking 30 days over there. Like, fucked up. But not you. No! I fucking thought I was just bored. Just clean living <laughs> over there. I am fascinated by that. Why? It boggles my mind. Um, how could it boggle? I couldn't I could imagine not living that way. I can't imagine going through life not knowing what drunk felt like. This, yeah, I don't know what heroin feels like, but I don't miss it. You know what I mean? Like, that's a thing, like... I don't understand that. But, but for me, in my mind, because I'm from a long line of dead alcoholics, yeah. I have to treat it with the same mental... You have, to, you have to give it the same reference. What if I drank and get drunk today and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me and then I lose everything and you find because my that my father is that person. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I can promise you will happen uh, to and, and this is me speaking from somewhat of experience with booze and, and other things. I'll be I'll be frank about that. Is that is that if you got drunk today, yes, it would be the best day ever. It would be such a great day. We could sit here and get hammered together. We'd have so much fun. Okay. But when the weekend rolled around and you were like, I should do that again because that was the best day ever. Okay. And somewhere between the best day ever and I should do that again, uh, one day you wake up and you're like, I should have a drink so that I can feel okay. Well, like, if this so is what I need to do to feel normal now. To your right, that fucking bottle is like 40 years old. And it's sealed. I don't know if you see it. They can see it on the camera. The back of it has a yes. piece of paper. So that's been in that decanter for decades. It's supposed to be unbelievable. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Oh, uh, someone passed away, an older gentleman, and that was in the house. And they didn't want it. So now I have it. And it's like on display. I don't even fucking drink, right? But that's the one. If you're going to do it, that's the one. You pop that motherfucker open, which has a date on it, which is decades fucking old, and we party. Won't I be, A, won't I throw up? B, the next day, won't I feel like a train hit me? Possibly. I don't do either one of those things. People process that. Yes, if you've never drank. I've never drank. Yes, you will feel like you got hit by a fucking Because it's literally poison. It is. And I remember, see, we had a New Year's party, right? And King Sam came here, and he's not a big drinker anymore. He was as a young man, but he doesn't drink anymore. Not like that. But he said that the Jack Daniels was going down way too easy. It's and insane. he went home and he was blasted. And I had the big Jack Daniels bottle and that fucker was empty at the end of the night. So between him and a member of the band of Meat Plow and maybe the road guy and Meat Plow and some other people, like it was gone. And it wasn't even that big of a party this year. It was like a normal party. Like, you know, sometimes it's, we've had 50 people here. This year was not the 50 people here. Those Meat Plow boys can, can get out of there. They drink a lot. They can drink. I know. I'm the one who buys the alcohol on New Year's. So... That's my point. Now I make you know who can drink. Gutter Royal can drink. Holy shit, those guys get it in. No, but then they're sloppy. Like hey, when, they're a good time. I have fun. With but when game. they leave and they're that gutter, if you're watching, you're a good time to drink. I love gutter. Oh, and they're in for. Oh, you don't know. I don't know shit. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you something off the fucking mic that upset oh, the fuck out of me. Well, okay. Because I don't want to. I don't want to make drama, but I'm upset about something. There's drama. A little bit. Did I create it? No. Am I involved in it? Inadvertently. Like secondhand involvement? Yeah. Okay, cool. And it made me a little sad in my chest. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. It's not, it's not official yet. We can still fix it. Okay. <laughs> I'm up for fixing it. Let's do it. But I, I, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking no, about. No, no, it's a thing. And it like threw me back. But I, I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm taken aback by the whole thing. We're going to sidestep that. So, in summation, Jenny died of the HIV. Her good. son dies of the HIV in the script. So not it's HIV. Good, but whatever. All right, I was going to talk about the three men in, in corporate America, but I don't think I'm going to talk about that. I feel like it's a mean fucking subject. No, it's not. Why, dude? Let's go. Have you ever been a boss at any of your jobs? Not first in charge, no. Not with people under you? Yes, but like I was like number two. Poop. Yes, dookie. I 
I like Green Day. I don't care what anybody says. The timeline, which I'm very good at, gets a little sketchy in my brain, okay? But around 2008, I became a management person in corporate America, which had never happened before. I'd always been like an underling, and I blew up. And then I became, I went, I ascended twice in a year, which is big, right? So now I'm like a boss boss, right? Kind of. And I have like all these people and I have two divisions that work for me. And it was pretty easy, actually, if I'm honest with you, because once you set up the, the habits of what you need for them to do, yeah. it's not that complicated to like run it. But people don't know that. So it looks like fucking smoke and mirrors. Like I'm doing a whole bunch of work. Yeah. I was, remember when um, MySpace had the fucking mafia game on it? Do you remember that shit? You know, because you're not ridiculous. But I remember it. And I would sit at my desk and play the mafia game all day. That was the thing. My family and I have to build and soldiers. <laughs> the reason I'm telling this is it was my job to be the hammer. I was pretty good at delivering bad news in corporate America because yeah. you're in a band, right? I'm in a band. I've toured a bit. We've seen some shit. Corporate America is stupid. Like, I know real problems. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll never forget this. This guy opened up a club. I can't remember the name of the club. That's pretty bad. And he had been the stage manager at a huge strip club, the one in Northeast Philly that's all nude. Okay. Show and tell, I show think. Show and tell, yeah. Is that the big one? Yeah, because it just, just ourselves. BYOB. That's yeah. the one. That's the one. So the stage manager guy opened up a club. I can't I can't imagine why I'm not thinking of the, the club name. And it was a dry bar. Like he went because he didn't want to get a liquor license. And he said, and I was like, this is a little crazy. You're dealing with musicians. He's like, dude, I've dealt with crackhead dancers who just got beat up by their boyfriend that I had to push on the fucking stage to make money. He's like, this is a lot easier. Yeah. Right. So going to corporate America from dealing with the roadie took so much peyote, he's puking all over the bus and we don't know where the guitars are. So that's happened yeah. on tour in a different fucking state. So, oh my God, uh, I'm going to, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There was a thousand dollar bottle of vodka. It was a new brand and our rhythm guitar player grabbed it and down the whole fucking thing and threw the bottle back. It was a $10,000 bottle of fucking vodka. He said, give me another one. And he, they were like, no, he's yeah. And on the rider, we only had one. And they gave him another one. And he downs that. He passed out on a star on the Walk of Fame. Yes. Next to the Kodak Theater like this. Like, so rock star. Fucking rock star. That's what we're dealing with, okay? Dealing with you were late for work today? Pretty yeah. low fucking grade, right? I got this. So I'm the bad news guy. And I sit the guy down. And I, didn't, I never yelled at anyone the whole time I was there. And the first guy, I was just... And this is our situation. And this is what you have to do. And the tears started rolling down his face. Are you fucking crying? And I was taken aback. And I couldn't do that. I wouldn't say, are you fucking crying? But you can't. It's corporate America. And I felt bad. And I found out later he was on some medications for some stuff. And he was a good guy. And I, I didn't want to give him the hammer. But I was told to give him the hammer. Then I brought him onto my team. And I protected him going forward. Because he was a good worker. And he was a nice guy. And I liked him. So... And it's funny, once I left, they fired him in like three seconds. Because when I wasn't there to shield them, they just didn't like it. Yeah. That's the first guy. Then, because my team became so good, they all got transferred out and promoted. And I got a new crop of fucking, they gave me pieces of shit. Because I think that people were upset that I was ascending, right? Like I was the number one manager, I had the number one team, it was like a thing. So now I got a bunch of jerk-offs, and they're so dumb. And I want to still be good. So I sit jerk-off number two down. And I'm like, sir, blah, blah, blah. And that motherfucker starts shaking and he starts fucking crying. And this isn't an office, just me and him. It's not on the floor. And I'm like, I, that's two. There's something wrong now. Like, oh, it was one. I didn't take the blame, but two. And then there was a third. And I was like, I, I'm not in the right place, man. I got to no, get the fuck out no, of this place. That's, that's not for like, you. Dude. If you were answering a fucking customer service line for a yellow page directory, a dead medium. This isn't, we were like pissing in the wind. Like this yeah. is not a job. Yeah. This isn't a career. You're just here to pay for your fucking cell phone. You yeah, know what I mean? You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's it. Like it's, you're going to run out of time soon. So what are your thoughts making these people cry? I felt bad. So by the story that you told, mm -hmm. and I feel like, I don't, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I don't think you did any of that. Um, I have to look at it from what I know and my own experiences. My own experiences in the work world are all involved in the trades. Of course. The people are tough as nails in the trades. I don't know if anybody out there is aware of what I've said, but dude, if you go on a job site, you will hear and you will see some shit 
that you thought you would never see. There are some foul motherfuckers that work on job sites. The camaraderie, however, is unparalleled. Without a doubt. Because Without a doubt. You, 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 you have each other's backs. And you can get hurt if you don't yeah. work together. That's important to take into consideration. Now, you also have to consider the fact that um, things are not nearly as bad as they were when, when we were young. They were, even then, I remember, so, okay, you're right. I, I have a story, but go ahead. Yes, you're right. You're right. When I was young and got into the trades, it was, it was cutthroat. It was savage. Like, they were trying to break you. They needed to know. How far they could push it. Yeah. And just to see what you could take. And how bad of a verbal assault you could deal with. And it was awesome. It was awesome. We, not when it happens to you, by the way. Uh, it never bothered me. It, it did me. It never got to me. Like, I, that doesn't do anything to me. Like, I'm a sensitive young man. No, I'm definitely not. I don't give a shit. I will fire back. And I guarantee you that my shit is nastier than yours. All right, Eminem. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Dude. I love Eminem. That seems pretty cool. I'm a little over that guy. At this point, I think probably he's he's over the hill. This time is his can, can we discuss something? I want to ask you a question. Shoot. I'm glad that we brought up Eminem. We're gonna spin off. As you all right. I've become, and I'm starting to back away from it, kind of a machine gun Kelly fan. Okay. Oh, that hurts my soul. He could really rap. He really could. And then with the help of like Pro Tools and songwriters and a good band, they they formed him into like a rock thing, which is kind of enjoyable to listen to. It's not great, but it's it's pleasant. When it comes on, I'm right. like, oh, this is okay. I'm tapping my toe, you know, not bad. And and that rap devil thing that he sent, if you listen to it lyrically, he's right. You have a guy in Eminem who's in his 50s, right? He has every penny fathomable in the world like he's a cajillionaire he owns 50 cent as as much as like dr dre owned eminem he begat and owns 50 cent and 50 cent owns the game and it goes down the road that's how it works right, right. that's the, that's the music business bon jovi look in your direction right for real so you're a millionaire you have beaten drugs he's in great fucking shape he's got a personal trainer i've seen it he's like ripped his kids are happy and healthy he's raised kids that aren't even his kids I don't, i'm sure you know that um, and you're still mad. The fuck are you mad about? You've done everything. You've made it. And then in the song, he's like, you're in everybody's top three. Everybody. Like, people say, because he's dead, Pac might be the best. Because he's dead, Biggie might be the best. But Eminem's right in there. For everybody, pretty much. They're like, all of all time, yeah. Now, personally, me, no. I do, I, I have one of his, the Marshall Mathers, I have that. But I'm not a huge Eminem fan. I didn't like how he was like kind of exploiting the white trashiness of America and then the whole pills thing. I, he's from fucking Detroit. He is white trash. No, he's he's from Detroit. He's been famous since 1999. So for 24 fucking years, you can't rep Detroit anymore. Because I don't know how old he was when he broke. Was he 25? Was he 30? You're almost living in luxury longer than you lived in Detroit. You don't get rid of the white trash. It doesn't leave you. But, all right, now, wait. We agree that, like, the Who is the superior band. Correct. People don't agree with us, but we agree. Most people are wrong. The Beatles wrote a lot of hit songs. They did. Paul McCartney leaves the Beatles, and he wrote some good stuff in McCartney in the beginning. And then as the career went on, it sucked. And I'm going to tell you my theory. Wings? Sucked. Sucks. Sucks. And then solo him? Sucks. Kind of sucks. However... If you are famous and wealthy for over 10 years, 10 years, and you don't know what it's like to be hungry and worry about money anymore, yeah. in my estimation as a songwriter, you can no longer make songs that people in the streets will understand. And that is what happened to Paul McCartney, in my humble opinion. No, because can you think of anyone? In that instance, yes. Can you give me any band, band, B-A-N-D, where 10 years has elapsed and they're just as good? At writing, not at performing. You get better as a performer. But can you still write songs that matter? Because we were discussing STP, how the first two records are kind of fire. They didn't even take 10 years. 10 years in, they were so out of fucking touch, they couldn't write anything. I think I think it depends on your subject matter to an extent. Please, go ahead. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, you know, the struggles of living in a fucking trailer, and that's what you're writing your songs about, okay, no. After you've been famous and you haven't lived there in 10 years, then no, I probably don't think you remember what that is exactly like. 
Um, if your subject matter is, say, something more along the lines of, you know, if you want to write tunes about, like, say, mental illness, for example. Go ahead. I feel like things like anxiety and depression transcend the wealth and privilege and, and higher existence. And some might argue it gets, it's worse it could because now be. you're not grounded. So if that's your subject matter, there's a chance that yes, you could in fact be a better writer. Well, give me an example. I'll, I'll listen. We have the entire arc of rock and roll. We have seven years of music. Shine down. A thousand percent. Is Are better. better 10 years in than they were in the beginning? Yes. No way. A thousand percent. No way. No way. Their newest album is spectacular. Mm. It is awesome. Mm. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm synopsis. telling you that I'm a huge fan and I will, I will die on this hill. Yeah, I know. You love dying on hills. Good. It's your favorite thing. No, I don't know. It's not bad. But like, I don't know what, what was, if it was the second record or the third record with Devour on it. Devour, yeah. is that the second record? Yes. To me, that's their pinnacle, sonically. Okay. The songwriting is amazing. It sounds great. Once he kicked drugs like five or six or seven years ago, it lost something for me. It got poppier. Even the new record, there's sections of it that are very poppy. And the Devour record, that's not what it's called. What's that record called? Uh, oh, you're a huge fan. You're going to die on the hill. That's you, right? Is that Attention, Attention? I might be that album. I don't know. But I own that record. And I love it. Is it the yellow one? No, it's white. Oh, shit. But the Devour record. Devour. Yeah. Right? Whatever that is, the second album. That record. Yeah. Sound of Madness. It's called Sound of Madness. That's what it's called. Okay, that's the album. So, to me, that's the pinnacle, right? For that band. Okay. Because the newer stuff, though it is really good, and, and no one's saying it's not good, it's too poppy to be shined down because it, right, re realistically, the whole band's gone. It's just him. And that other guy, the guitar player, yeah, what's his name? Fuck, I never remember his name. They have a signature uh, PRS with him. He's a nice guy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, is it Zach? I always get them confused because the, the dude's name is, the singer's name is Brett <clears throat> Smith. Well, I know that. But the guitar player. Now. And his last name is Myers, and I forget his first name. It might be Zach Myers. Because all I remember is that their names together make Brett Myers, who was the dude who threw the last pitch in the World Series for the Phillies. <laughs> so that guitar player's been in the band for a very long time at this point. Yeah. But he's not the original fucking band. You know what I mean? They fired that guitar player in the midst of Sound of Madness. Right. So it's like a thing. So, so all right, I, I'll give you that as an honorable mention. I don't know if I agree with you. Can you give me another band in your estimation that 10 years in were just as vivacious or they've had the veracity? Now, I'm going to give you one to think about. Go ahead. Aerosmith fell off. They were huge and they couldn't get arrested. And they came back in the late 90s. I'm sorry, the late 80s with permanent vacation and pump and all that. Yeah. Which some people say is their second zenith because the 70s Aerosmith is pretty great. Yeah. 80s Aerosmith is pretty bad. And then late 80s, they're back. But they were poor. They didn't have a 10 year run of staying consistently wealthy. Like they were like living, they were in the balls of their asses. Like they, they were selling guitars and shit to eat. Right. You know what I mean? So for me, you could say Aerosmith because it, what happens by the late 90s, that j -j jaded, not good. Not good in my opinion. Yeah, that's a bad song. And that it's a bad record. And it's like, it was Nine Lives, I think it's called. And it's like, it was just over by then. Because then you had 10 years where you're rich, you're sober, and that's that. It's, it's over now. Uh, see, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Dun, dun, dun. You, you may be right. But this also, this also maybe sort of flows into uh, a belief that I've had for, for years. And... Um, with, with only a few notable exceptions, um, regardless of what genre you start out as and you get famous as, yes. as a band, if you're around for longer than 10 years, you turn into a rock band. You think so? For the most part, yes. Let me think. Limp Bizkit never became a rock band, and they're still around. Corn never became a rock band, and they're still around. So I don't know if I agree with that synopsis. Yeah, Metallica I, got rocky. Metallica yeah. did it. Green Day turned into a rock band. No, they a hundred a hundred fucking percent are just a rock band. Yeah. You're not even lying. 
in every fucking way. Yeah. That's a pretty man. I'm gonna take this home and I'm gonna think about think this about one that for, for real because you, you you're kind of making yeah. sense. But again, the Chili Peppers are a rock. Band. They're just a rock band. Yeah. They started as a funk fucking implosion thing, you know. Right. And all those bands, Pearl Jam is just just a, a rock, rock band. band. But they were always just a rock band. Hey, State of Love and Trust and all that shit. Oh, I love that stuff. The old stuff. Oh, I love it. And then my housemate, his name's Christian. You met him. Yeah. He's a, he's the biggest Pearl Jam fan on the planet Earth. And I'm like, fuck Pearl Jam. I wrote there's a chapter in <laughs> there's a chapter in the book. I love that you just have like these hostilities towards certain. Oh, I have reasons for Pearl Jam. <laughs> I, I know you do. Reasons for all of it. We we I've heard the Pearl Jam story. Yeah. Dave Abrazis was great. <laughs> he was great. He was so good. And you're like, wait, you got a drum sponsorship? That's not cool. You gotta go. He Eddie Vedder's the guy that when a van, band got famous, he's like, fuck that band. He's that guy. Yes. He's that That's guy. Right. And See what I was that person. That person. They change though. It's not the same. Also, I still like Metallica and I don't care what You're fucking dead wrong. I don't care. You're dead said, fucking wrong. No, they're they not. They're just not. They are. They're not. We're never gonna make a video. They have thousand videos. Okay, so they were wrong about that. Integrity matters. Maybe they was just short sighted. Don't say it. Don't say it. I said a lot of shit in my twenties that I look back on now. I'm like, I probably shouldn't have said that. Right? Yeah, but you didn't say it on MTV. You didn't say. It I didn't fucking... have the opportunity. Or I would have yelled it with a megaphone. Put me on MTV when I'm 22, and I would have said some outlandishly dumb shit. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna address something. This is important. Okay, this is the hill I've died on a thousand times. Fantastic. Let's go. If you're in a cover band, or were in a cover band, or played cover band music and didn't write your own songs, I was the guy saying "fuck your band, fuck your face, fuck everything about you." I wrote a song about oh, it. Please define cover band. Playing songs you don't like for money. Fair. And that I don't. Playing, I love a tribute band playing other people's songs that you, you don't, don't like for money. Now, I love a good tribute. It band. is soulless and wrong. I love because a, a tribute band. They're probably more of a fan than I am. Right. Like I, the first band I saw when I was twenty-one years old was Sabracadabra. Nice. And they were so amazing. And I went to see them, and I couldn't wait. And this is at a time when Ozzy and Sabbath aren't a thing. Yeah. They're not a thing. So I went to see guys with orange full stacks. And the guy came out, and he had the fucking white fucking frills off the shirt. And he's like, all right, I'm crazy. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Have you seen Head Motor? Head Motor, no. Yeah. Is it pretty good? They're solid. But I've seen Motorhead so many times, it's going to hurt me if it's not good. The dude does the whole let me part. Like, he looks like him. He looks like him. He even looks like him. I met him, bro. So it's going to be hard for me. It's going to be hard for me. Well, My friend did one. I, I feel bad. I don't remember. He was he was a bass player for Starscream briefly. And then he he did a whole thing. He went out. He bought the Reckenbacher bass. He grew the sideburns and shit. Like, he was doing it. He was fucking being the lemmy guy. Hey, cool. I mean, it's not my thing. I would never be an interview. Oh, I would be in a fucking Sabbath tribute band in a heartbeat. I would, a I would love it. I would love it, dude. That's like my fucking calling. And I've actually, I jammed on stage with one once. They, uh, this singer got sick. And this, I don't do, again, I don't do covers, but I love a good tribute. And it was uh, Bat Salad. I think they were called at the time. <laughs> Rat Salad. Yeah, they were Bat Salad. And we went out and the singer got laryngitis, literally. He was a really good singer, too. And so they brought me in for two songs or three songs. They brought somebody else for two. Or th and they got through the whole set. They did yeah. a really good night. Dude, it was great. I sang fucking NIB on stage with the band playing NIB perfectly. It was fucking amazing. I loved it. Um. So anyway, I, I, I was very much fuck cover bands. And then I heard Zach Wild in an interview. And he said, if the Aussie thing didn't work, I would still make money playing guitar. I'd have to be in a wedding band or something. Yeah. And I rethought it for a second. And I was like, maybe. But you have a career. I have a career that we built on our own so we could play the kind of music we wanted to yeah. and not have to prostitute our art. So it would hurt my soul to be a cover band. Could you imagine? I mean, I love Tom Petty, but I'm not going to play American Girl every night for the rest of my life because I didn't write it. Oh. I just couldn't do it. And they all and they play Summer 69. Yeah. Like all those songs, they play Britney Spears fucking songs. And then you're learning this shit. Then you get in your car. It's a tough gig. I knew somebody who did it. And you drive two states away to Maryland, yeah. and you're, it took you five hours to get there for traffic and shit. You set up, 
You play your set for three fucking four hours, like a full night. Yeah. You get money, get back in your car, drive home, sleep. The next day, you got to drive to a different part of the fucking country and do the same thing again. And it's like, I can do that for Starscream because it's us. Right. But if it's not my art, right. but I'm going to tell you something. I have thought a wee bit and I have several friends as an older Vex who are professional cover band musicians. No, no, no. And I got to be like, all right. I don't hate it like I hated it. I would never do it myself. But there was a time when I was like, fuck you and fuck your face. I had a guy. We were looking for a drummer because we're always looking for a drummer. Always. And I wrote on Craigslist, hey, we're Starscream and blah, blah, blah. And this guy wrote me. He's like, listen, man, your band's really good. I would, I would consider being a part of it, actually, because I'm a drummer. But you said some shit on stage two months ago when I saw you play about how much you hate cover bands. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't respect you. And I wrote back. I was like, you're a cunt. I don't want you in the band anyway. <laughs> Go suck a dick. I don't give a shit. Go suck a dick. You know we're way the fuck over, right? Don't give a fuck. Yeah, but, all right. In summation, you got anything else you want to say? No, no. Uh, I still don't like cover bands. Nothing at all? I will tell you what I need to say. Tonight, tonight, it's coming tonight. Tonight. Yes. Oddity Bar, Wilmington, Delaware. You can come out and see me with my band, Pistol Razor. It will be exciting and a good time, along with Lords of Asgard. And who else is on the bill? Go to Royale, motherfucker. Go to Royal. And then there's the somebody else. I don't know who it is because Doghouse dropped off. Correct. So I don't know who the fucking other person is. I forget because I also have a bit. I, that got weird, and I'm not going to get into it. Yeah, I but heard some shit. There's some shit. Some shit went down. It was stupid. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, the Vex on Vex podcast. I'm sorry. I, I cut you off. I apologize for that. <laughs> this has been episode number 168 of the Vex on Vex podcast. The Vex on Vex podcast is available on the Podbean application on your phone under the Loud and Loaded Network. Dave, thank you for your time. We still didn't cover half the shit. We covered all three hit points. Yeah, barely. Three men cried. Yeah. David Crosby no longer with us. Fuck a hippie. And Forrest Gump. She got AIDS. She got AIDS. This is VexX telling you to stay frosty. Fuck you, Jenny. Ah, 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 ah. Stay frosty. <laughs>